Recently, high demand and limited scalability have increased the average transaction times and fees in popular cryptocurrencies, causing an unsatisfactory experience for most. Today, we will discuss Nano, a cryptocurrency with an original block lattice architecture, which each account has its own blockchain, delivering near instantaneous transaction speed and unlimited scalability. Each user has their own blockchain, allowing them to update it instantly to the rest of the network, resulting in fast transactions with minimal overhead. Transactions keep track of account balances rather than transaction amounts, allowing dynamic database without compromising security. According to Nano's white paper, the Nano network has processed 4.2 million transactions, with an unpruned ledger size of only 1.7 gigabytes. Nano's fee-less, fee-less split-second transactions could make it the premier cryptocurrency for consumer transactions. Now let's see why. Hey, how are y'all doing today? I hope you guys are doing well. As we sure are happy to be back talking to you guys about Nano previously known as Rayblox. We hope that you guys love this week's segment as much as we have, and we ask that you spread the word to help us keep growing. Definitely glad to see that you guys are enjoying the content we're producing. Before we get into it, guys, I can't help but plug our social media, as it is one of the best ways for you guys to reach out and to give us your feedback. You can follow us on Twitter at Fireside underscore Crypto, and Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Fireside Crypto. Be sure to follow us. Before to be sure to give us a rating on iTunes, and don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. As you guys heard on Monday, it's with great honor that we launched our FiresideCryptoPodcast.com website. With this, you will be able to seamlessly interact with our episodes on all the platforms that you use with just one click of a button, and you will be able to talk to us much simply actually much easier and you'll be able to interact with the community Um, you'll be able to comment and you will have other members hopefully comment with you and try to engage one another to see basically to help us uh, continue our progress with the distributed ledger technology and ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's get started with nano if there's one thing the cryptocurrency ecosystem direly needs it is proper scaling More specifically, there is no currency which can be successfully processed the number of transactions necessary to compete with more traditional solutions such as Visa. That situation will not change anytime soon. Although there are several new and exciting developments taking place across various blockchains as we speak, whether or not any of these solutions will actually improve matters remains to be seen. Nano hopes to become what Bitcoin at times struggles to be an efficient, viable alternative to fiat currencies. In Nano's white paper, the cryptocurrencies development team raises concerns over the practical practicality of Bitcoin as a common currency. Some of the concerns are scalability issues, have, been seen, have users facing high transaction fees, with a medium fee of $10.38. Although it has lowered since the all-time high fees in December, some users still experience high fees. Next, we look at Bitcoin's high computational latency, which makes for an average transaction time of 164 minutes. Lastly, Bitcoin's proof-of-work consensus uses an estimated 2.7, uh, 2.8 terawatts per hour annually, an average of 260 kilowatts per transaction. Using its own black lattice lattice structure, Nano wants to succeed where Bitcoin has fallen short. The cryptocurrency promises to deliver zero-fee transactions in real time without the same work-intensive overhead and energy consumption as Bitcoin. If you really think this sounds all good to be true, well, pinch yourself and keep on listening. Nano uses a direct acyclic graph algorithm, but instead of using DAG for the tangible, Nano employs its own fresh tech called the block lattice. Now, before we move on, let's give you an idea of what 
a uh, direct acyclograph algorithm means. DAG is a, a directed graph that has topological ordering, which is a sequence of vertices such as it. Every edge is directed from one earlier to the latter in the sequence. So in layman terms, essentially the dagger algorithm works by creating a directed acyclograph, which is the technical term for a tree which each node is allowed to have multiple parents. With those 10 levels, including the root, and a total of 2 to the 25th power. To simplify even more, the chain will never touch another chain or connect being independent forever. The block lattice infrastructure operates like a blockchain, but with a few key differences. To start, each account on Nano's protocol has its own blockchain called an account chain. Only an account chain's user can modify his or her individual chain, and this allows each account chain to be updated asynchronously of the rest of your block lattice network. This essentially allows you to hold all of the power in regards to the funds that you are trying to provide as a node. This means that users can send and update blocks on their account chain without relying on the whole network. To achieve this, any funds sent on Nino's block lattice require transactions require two transactions, a sender transaction and a receiver transaction. In order for a transaction to be settled, the receiving party must sign a block confirming that the funds were received. If only the sending party's block is signed, a transaction is set, is set to unsettled. All transactions are sent in a user datagram protocol, called UDP packets, which keep computing costs low and allow senders to transfer funds even if a receiver is offline. One of the block lattice's more attractive features is how its ledger handles and stores transactions. Each nano's transaction in its own block and each block new block replaces the one before it on the user's account chain. In order to maintain a proper account history, new blocks take the record of the account holder's current balance and factor it into the transaction processing. Now let's talk a little bit more about the block lattice balances and how they are transferred between blockchains through send and receive blocks. Send blocks to reduce the balance of an account and marks the delta as a receivable by the account number. At a later time, the receiving account creates a receive block which increases the balance of their account by the delta. Distributive agreements like proof of work or proof of stake are necessary since the account owner has authoritative control over transactions. To demonstrate this, if you're sending nano to someone, the transaction is verified by taking the difference between the send block and your current balance on the preceding block. On the other hand, of the, on the other end of the transaction, the receive block would then add to the amount to its account chain preceding block. The end result here, guys, is that a new block that then records the updated balance of each user is created. Under this system, nano keeps a record of account balances on its ledger. Not a full history of the transactions like traditional distributed ledgers. This means that Nano Network only has to keep a record of each amount of each account on its full ledger instead of maintaining a record of all prior transactions. The network only stores account balances. So if it if you haven't grasped what this may present as a solution to Bitcoin's latency and scalability issues, we're about to go over some of the benefits. Thanks to account chains, each account and its chain can be updated asynchronously off the, off the entire network. By implementing a dual transaction mechanism, it is up to both the receiver and the sender of the funds to verify a transaction. This eliminates the needs for miners entirely and paves the way for an instant and fee-less transaction. All transactions on Nano are handled independently from the network's main chain. They also fit into single UDP packets and are recorded in their own blocks. 
Effectively, this does away with the block sizing issue, because nodes are not responsible for maintaining a comprehensive record of all trans network transactions. Instead, they only need to store the individual account balances of each account chain rather than their entire ledger. With Bitcoin's traditional distributed ledger, a transaction cannot be cleared until its entire block is built into the blockchain. These blocks act as a comprehensive ledger for the entire network's financial information and include Bitcoin's entire transaction history. As more information is stored, we've seen sluggish transaction times and high fees. Nano's account chains make this for a lightweight infrastructure and as a result, a block lattice offers improved scalability compared to legacy blockchains. Nano keeps its network secure by using a delegated proof-of-stake model, similar to ARC. If any discrepancies arise with conflicting transactions, Nano delegates a vote on which transaction to verify as valid. The delegated proof-of-stake model offers a number of benefits compared to Bitcoin's proof-of-work mechanism. For one, without miners, Nano safeguards itself from mining attacks and the de facto centralized mining, mining pools brought to Bitcoin's network. Nano expects you to hold a stake of its currency so you, would, so you are deterred from abusing the power or compromising the entire network's legitimacy, and thus your own investment. Furthermore, because of the block lattice structure, delegations only need to be verified transactions if a problem arises. As a result, running a node on the Nano network consumes much less energy than if the node were operating under a proof-of-work model. Now you may be asking, what are the advantages of Nano exactly? Well, there are zero fees, and because the protocol is incredibly lightweight and running on a node costs next to nothing, Nano's transactions are processed with zero fees. One transaction fits in within a single UDP packet, and transactions are handled independently, eliminating any block size issues. Instantaneous transaction speed wallets pre-cache the, the anti-spam proof of work for the next transaction once a transaction is sent making transactions instantaneous, as both sides have the proof of work ready to go. For ongoing transactions, there may be delays, but this is intentional to prevent transaction spam. Now, it's important when we discuss the potential attacks that can be attributed to all this. Nano has a number of mechanisms built in it to protect from a range of possible attacks on the system. Here we'll go over all the attacks that there could be on the system and what safeguards are in place. First, we have to look at the block gap synchronization. Each block has a link to its previous block, and if a new block arrives where we couldn't find its previous block, this leaves the node deciding whether or not it is out of sync or if someone is sending junk data. If a node is out of sync, synchronizing involves a TCP connection to a node that offers bootstrapping, which is much more like traffic than sending a single UDP packet containing a block. This is a network amplification attack, and for blocks with no previous link, nodes will wait until a certain threshold of votes has been observed before initiating a connection to the bootstrap node to synchronize. If a block does not receive enough votes, it can be assumed to be then junk data. Transaction floating is simply sending as many valid transactions as possible in order to saturate the network. Usually an attacker will send transactions to other accounts they control so it can be continued indefinitely. Each block has a small amount of work associated with it, around 5 seconds to generate 1 microsecond to validate. This work differences causes an attacker to dedicate a large amount to sustain an attack while wasting a small amount of resources by everyone else. Nodes that are not full historical nodes are able to prune all transactions from their chain. This clamps the storage usage from this type of attack for almost all users. 
A cyborg attack is a person creating a lot of nodes in the network, possibly thousands, on a single machine in order to get a disproportionate vote on a network where each node gets an equal vote. The nano voting system is weighted based on account balance. Adding extra nodes into the network will not gain extra attacker votes. A penny spend attack is where an attacker spends infinitesimal uh, quantities to a larger number of accounts in order to waste the storage resources of nodes. Blocks publishing is rate limited by work, so this limits accounts to a certain extent. Nodes that are not full historical nodes can prune accounts before a statistical metric where the account is, is probably not a valid account. Finally, Nano is tuned to use minimal permanent storage space, so space required to store one additional account is proportional to the size of an open block, plus the indexing about 96 um, bytes plus 32 bytes about 128 uh, this equates to about 1 gigabyte being able to store 8 million penny spent accounts if nodes want to be aggressive they can calculate a distribution based on access frequency and delegate infrequency and frequently use accounts to slower storages the metric of consensus for nano is a balanced weighted voting system if an attacker is able to gain over 50% of voting strength, they can then use the network to oscillate their decisions, rendering the system useless. An attacker must then have at least some sort of value tied up in the network as a balance, which they are willing to forfeit as an expense to performing this type of attack. Since this attack ruins the integrity of the system, any attacker is able to lower the amount of balance they must forfeit by preventing good nodes from voting through the network through a distributed proof-of-stake system. The primary defense against this type of attack is voting weight being tied to an investment in the system. Attempting to flip the ledger would be destructive to the system as a whole which would destroy their investment. The second defense against this attack is the cost of, this, of the attack being proportional to the market cap of all nano. An proof-of-work system technology can be invented that gives disproportionate control compared to the monetary investment, and if the attack is successful, this technology could be repurposed after the attack is complete. With nano, the cost of attacking the system scales with the system, and if an attack were to be successful, the cost of the attack can't be recovered. In order to maintain the maximum quorum of voters, the next line of defense is representing voting. Account holders who are unable to reliably participate in voting for connectivity reasons can name a representative who can then vote with the weight of their balance. Forks and Nano are never accidental, so nodes can make policy decisions on how to interact with forked blocks. The only time a non-attacker accounts are vulnerable to, for to block forks is if they receive a balance from an attacking account, and those accounts wanting to be secure from the block forks can just wait a little or a lot longer before receiving from an account who has then generated the forks or just opt to never receive it at all. Receivers could also generate separate accounts for receiving uh, transactions from dubious accounts in order to protect the rest of their balance. Um, but there's also a final line of defense that has not really been implemented, and that is called block cementing. Nano goes to great efforts to get block forks to settle quickly via voting, and nodes could be configured to cement blocks after a certain period of time, possibly being a few minutes, which could then prevent them from being rolled back. I mean, more research has to be done on this to figure out whether such a policy would be beneficial and what type of parameters would be best to make sure it would be suitable. Um, but more than likely, the network is sufficiently secured through focusing on this fast settling time. Bootstrapping poisoning is also another key feature. The longer an attacker is able to hold an old private key with a balance, the higher the probability of the balance that existed at the time 
no longer having representatives that are participating in voting because their balances or representatives have transferred to new people. This means if a node is bootstrapped to an old representation of the network where the attacker has a quorum of voting stake compared to the representatives at the point in time, they would be able to oscillate voting decisions to that node. If this new user wanted to interact with anyone besides the attacking node, all their transactions would be denied since they have different head blocks. The net, results, the net result is nodes can waste the time of new nodes in a network by feeding them bad information. Nodes can be compared uh, can be paired within the initial database of accounts and known good blockheads. This is a replacement for downloading the database all the way back to the Genesis block. The closer the download is to be current, the higher the probability of accurately defending against this attack. In the end, this attack is probably no worse than sending uh, than feeding junk data to the nodes, while bootstrapping since they wouldn't be able to transact with anyone who has contemporary bases. Now, according to Nano, scalability transaction lookup scales with the logarithm of the data set is log NO with a tree-like structure. To get an idea of how this scales, if it was a simply binary tree with a thousand entries, it would take 10 lookups with a million entries and it would take 20 and 1 billion would take 30. Pretty simple, right? And then prune nodes only need to keep the latest block of each account chain even further reducing the lookup time to the system resources. Now, you might be asking, all this sounds great, but where are all, all these people creating this potential Bitcoin Slayer? The team behind Nano consists of developers, Colin Lemieux, who's in charge of the core wallet development and is creator of Nano. Next, we have Micah Bush, the web and mobile de developer, and we continue with James Coxon, the services and integration developer, finishing with Zach Supiro, the iOS mobile developer. Now, it seems like some of you are interested in mining and the potential benefits it can have. Let's see if you guys uh, will be able to mine Nano. If you're like me and mining is something that you like to do because it's an easy way to make passive income, you might be asking, how can I mine Nano? How can I get in on this revolutionary currency? Well, unfortunately, Nano is non-mineable and has reached its maximum supply of 133,248,290 Nano tokens. Funds were initially distributed via a CAPTCHA faucet distributed system that ended in October 2017. I would like to also add that the faucets are the easiest way to receive newly desired tokens. Um, for example, I'm getting free Ether um, via Ethereum and their Ring Speed Test Network. If you guys wanted to take a look at that or you guys want to hear an episode on that, just leave us a tweet. Definitely. And thanks, Alex, for that mining advice. Let's continue to make sure you understand what Nano hopes to achieve and how. With Nano, there is a different confirmation system based on representatives. In general, all that is needed is your cryptographic signature on your send and receive blocks. When the node syncs, it runs through the ledger to ensure that the signatures are authentic. Pretty simple and straightforward. If you have any questions, though, contact us at fireside underscore crypto on Twitter. Now, with most projects, it's always important to know what methods are used to make sure the person you are interacting with viewing the transactions has the necessary funds to pay you. In order to prevent double spend attacks, Nano has a representative system. A representative in the system is basically an address with a lot of money. The representative acts as the arbitrator of which double spent blocks to go through and propagate throughout the system. In Nano, you as the user performs the confirmation by signing your transaction. This process takes you an insufficiently small amount of time. In general, your transaction is fully confirmed and processed in a matter of seconds. 
The bulk time of the spent time performing the proof of work is usually necessary to mitigate the unchecked spam attacks. API supports for Nano is quite good as well. They have RPC libraries for interacting with nodes in JavaScript, Python, PHP, and Elixir. There's also a library for performing proof of work in the web browser, written in WebAssembly. They also have a few more tools for interacting with the protocol and a package for Fedora. If you would like to read the technical aspects of RPC, you can visit GitHub and search for the RPC protocols. Unfortunately, unfortunately the RPC protocol is full of the script that can be difficult to explain via audio. Maybe during a live segment, we'll be able to show you more easily. I know some of you guys are listening and thinking, how does Nano plan to transfer all of this data during its initial creation? Well, for starters, Nano does not have a built-in mechanism for data transfer on Layer 1, and since Nano uses 128 bits per transaction, in principle, you can only use the bottom 64 or 32 bits to create and extract small messages. Beyond that, Nano could could be used to implement a Layer 2 approach pretty simply. If one can already communicate with other IoT devices, one could just utilize that channel for the data layer. Therefore, this is not a major obstacle for Nano in our, in our eyes, and since their logic and data transfer is available through multiple methods, it should be alright. You are probably asking, can I make transactions off the chain, or what if I want to keep it between my friend and I without the need to connect online? Well, with Nano, off-chain transactions are not possible. The sending party must be online and connected to the network to facilitate a transaction. Again, I don't think this is a big issue, as there will still be that trust issue if you didn't have this feature. Beyond that, most devices and consumer electronics have internet access these days. We can also see by the expression on most of your faces, asking so how many Nano tokens are there or how many can there be? Well, the max supply of Nano is 340 undecilin, and the reason for this high ceiling is that they utilize a 120-bit integer to represent balances. Their actual max supply is, like we said earlier, 133,248,290 nanos, where one nano represents 1 million, one non-million raw nano units. The max supply can then be denoted as roughly 133 undecillion raw nanos. Also, with nano, the current full ledger size is about 3 gigabytes. Not bad for 4 years worth of transactions. Granted, Nano isn't nearly as popular yet, so we have yet to see how it will perform under extreme loads. Over time, size will definitely become an issue. There are plans of pruning the database, as all that is needed for the consistency is the total balance in each of the block lattices blockchains. Nano has no central authorities managing transactions on the network, and has had auto-peering since its release around 20, or September 2015. Therefore, we can deem it as being decentralized. The only area where I see a slight issue is that their representative system. This is a potential attack vector, whereby a malicious entity may buy up millions of dollars worth of nano and carry out a voting attack. This scenario is outlined in their attack wiki. Granted, it is considered a low risk, as a malicious party would have to effectively forfeit a large sum of money to carry out such attack, but on the order of millions of dollars or 50% of the market cap, this could be seen as an incentive. Like Google who has a model, don't be evil, Nano goes by the mantra, do one thing and do it well. Because of their focus on making the best token, it would be difficult for them to extend their token to be private and have smart contracts and a few more things. Nano's current wallet is also a developer's wallet. 
Everything is black, white, and gray with small font and bare bones navigation. It is a job done right. There is no light wallet support yet, so users must sync the entire ledger before being able to properly interact with the network. Also, new and improved desktop and mobile wallets are currently available. The new version 10.0.1 of Nano's wallet is fully available to download the ledger on the full order of minutes and fully sync with the network in a few hours. One key feature that really settled with me was that Nano also follows the general principle of sending and receiving from the same address being okay. No addresses reuse issues here. That means your wallet address is yours to keep for ages or until Nano fails, which are, we're not saying it will, but just like every other project, XSS is currently contingent on Bitcoin. Nano is a new kid on the blockchain, pun intended, or should I say the new kid with just the same name. Therefore, it has the same levels of hardening and improvement like other cryptos. We, with the recent surge in pricing, we can assume that attackers will start trying to knock down or even break the service. Time will tell if the current implementation is strong enough to withstand these such as circumstances. I recommend code reviews and audits by security teams, analysts, and general developer community, especially with the main node software being written in C++. I've only had a brief glimpse of their code and see many functions and files that are too many lines long and nesting hell. If you would like to see yourself, for yourself, we have all of their GitHub links posted in the description and on our website. And guys, let me tell you, we're not trying to bash Nano, the creator, or any of their developers. But, I mean, just with their code, there is a lot of room to improvement, to say the least. It's also worth noting that Nano tokens are mainly traded on Binance Exchange. The market handles at least 93% of Nano's daily trade volumes against Ethereum and Bitcoin. There was a recent theft of more than 170 million nano tokens from BitGrill exchange. This led to a period of volatility, uh, volatility for the crypto. Even though BitGrill represented the matter to the police, traders remained skeptical about the exchange change. And of course, particular concern was the request of Francisco Frion, the BitGrill founder, to the nano developers to fork the project. This unusual request was made after the hack. In response, Nano's founders accused BitGrill and the founders uh, for misleading the Nano community about the solvency of the exchange. Nano aims to replace the conventional shared memory data structure with the message passing model where users have their own blockchains, which they can easily then sync with the main network. It is the only crypto which uses BlockLattice blockchain. This blockchain frees users from paying fees to miners or waiting for the network ledger to update. It is a unique project where every crypto investor, investor should consider checking out. And with that, guys, that concludes Nano and our series on decentralized digital cash. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Fireside underscore crypto and on our subreddit, r slash Fireside Crypto Podcast. And don't forget to check out our website, firesidecryptopodcast.com, where we have all of our episodes, every podcast publication to make it very easy for you guys to listen to how you choose. You guys can comment and talk to other people among the Fireside Crypto family. And uh, don't also forget to subscribe, give us a rating on iTunes, subscribe wherever you are listening so you don't miss when our episodes go out on Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Central. And don't forget that this is America where we expect you guys to interact with us and give us your comments. Uh, we grow from 
your reports and we try to learn with you guys on the same way so if you guys have any information you'd like to learn about or any steps uh, 101 steps or just anything in general that you'd like to get into don't forget to let us know at our twitter or on our website where you can easily interact with us and for the fireside crypto podcast i am christian i'm alex signing off